just because of the physiological stress that we impose on fish as anglers, there's a certain proportion of them that die, regardless of how gentle we are with them. There's a there's a percentage, it's uh, somewhere between five and 10%, depending on the species, depending on the location. That's just a result, it's called post-exercise mortality. There are certainly bigger fish, faster fish, and stronger fish, but few can compare to wild steelhead. They're an icon that embodies strength and resilience. They are a fleeting connection to a wild world that is disappearing before our eyes. Wild steelhead are ingrained with an unrelenting tenacity that enables them to power themselves hundreds of miles upstream, and hooking one is a direct connection to the raw power of nature. Welcome to the Adipose, the voice of the Wild Steelhead Coalition. In the last several decades, scientific studies focused on how fish respond to capture, handling, and release have gained the attention of anglers around the world. And now there are hundreds of scientific studies on catch and release, revealing if fish live or die, if their behavior or physiology is impacted, and if they have short or long-term impacts. Dr. Andy Danilchuk has done a lot of work in fisheries, and in particular, the impacts of catch and release in recreational fisheries. My background is pretty uh, diverse, spanning both freshwater and marine ecosystems and coastlines in between. I've done a great deal of work in, in Canada um, and also in the United States and domestic locations. Uh, really started to drill down and focus on recreational fisheries uh, back when I moved to the Turks and Caicos Islands and started to focus on bonefish and recognizing that there's lots of gaps in our knowledge in terms of not only their ecology, uh, but also how they respond to capture, handling, and release. And that opened my eyes up to this broader discipline of recreational fishery science and the fact that we have so many gaps in knowledge in terms of how so many of our prized target species are data deficient and data poor in terms of how they respond to capture, uh, how they respond to being handled, having the hooks taken out of them, uh, and what happens to them following release. The research that I've done has spanned you know, freshwater species, largemouth bass to trout, North America to Golden Dorado in South America to tarpon and permit and bonefish and milkfish. Uh, it's pretty extensive. And also, of course, steelhead. In many watersheds, the majority of wild steelhead returning each season will be caught and handled by anglers, some more than once. Some of these fish will die regardless of our best intentions, and many will endure sublethal short and or long-term impacts, such as reduced spawning success. The Bulkley River steelhead study came about in a, in a pretty amazing way. Um, a lot of the research that... Um, I do in my lab comes from questions that emerge from guides and anglers. And it was through a personal connection that I was linked up with Whitey and Missy from Bulkley River Lodge. They started to reveal some interesting thoughts in terms of how different handling practices were affecting steelhead, 
in the Buckley River. After that initial conversation, we had some meetings and we pulled a lot of different entities to the table. Ministry of Forest Lands and Natural Resources in BC, Freshwater Fishery Society of BC, uh, of course, the the Wetsuit and Wetton uh, were really important to, to be included in the process and actually give us permission to do this study on their land. We brought a lot of non-government organizations to the table, uh, Steelhead Society of BC, Wild Steelhead Coalition, Native Fish Society. It was done in such a way so that everybody could provide some feedback in terms of hypotheses that we wanted to test. Also, so that all the entities could take some ownership over the process and be and feel comfortable with eventually sharing the information that came out of the study. It was a great catalyst. All these people coming together, all these different groups industry partners, colleagues from Carleton University in Canada, and I had some students from here at UMass. At the end of the day, the study really came to be to look at the how the summer run recreational fishery on the Buckley River, how those fish respond to catch and release. For that research, we uh, did some non-lethal blood sampling for one group of fish to understand how they physiologically respond to the stresses associated with with capture. Essentially, when a fish is on the end of the line, it's being exercised to fuel that exercise. A fish releases glucose for that fight and flight reaction. And then also a fish will build up blood lactate as a response to the anaerobic muscle activity. So we we use those blood indicators to, to connect how stressed the fish is from the angling event. And then we were curious in terms of what happens after the fact. So we use some radio telemetry, another subset of fish, not the ones that we did the blood sampling on, were affixed with radio tags. And then we could link the physiology to the movements of the steelhead after they were released. An important element of the project is that we had some questions that came from the stakeholders, the user groups and the rice holders about the impacts of air exposure. And so we had three different air exposure treatments, um, zero seconds where the fish was uh, remained in the water when it was landed, 10 seconds of air exposure, and then 30 seconds of air exposure. And the study was run over the course of one season. So we had a range of water temperatures. Then just naturally, because we were working with guides and, and anglers, um, there was a range of fight times. There was a range in body size of the steelhead and a range in landing methods. And that was actually a question that came from some of the guides about whether it's better to use a net or is it better to tail grab the fish? And so all of those hypotheses were kind of layered into our experimental design for that study, all under the umbrella of this really a consortium of groups that came together as a catalyst for this, this research. Now, it may come as no surprise, but steelhead anglers have different opinions regarding the impacts of catch and release. But the science provides evidence about the impact our angling has on wild steelhead populations. As anglers, we all have our theories about why a fish bites on a particular day or not, or why a migration is earlier in the season than last year. Uh, and so we also have our theories about how fish respond to catch and release. And this is where the science comes in to kind of validate those theories or, or debunk them. 
from the study on the Bulkley River, we were able to demonstrate that steelhead that were uh, exposed to air uh, following when they were landed had a great had greater reflex impairment. And reflex impairment is basically there's a, a number of reflexes that provide some indication of physiological conditions. And so, you know, if, if you see a fish, you know, turn upside down or roll on its side, it's lost coordinated fin movements, um, which is an indication of broader physiological stress. So that's that ref- that writing reflex is one reflex impairment that we use. And there's several others were included in the study. To sum that up, though, uh, fish that were air exposed following being landed had greater reflex impairment when they were released. And they was there was greater fallback. There was greater because they're caught in these this river where there's a current. And if they're physiologically exhausted, then of course the current is going to sweep them downstream. And that was predominantly for those fish that were air exposed for 10 or 30 seconds. For for fish that were released and kept in the that were kept in the water, there was no uh, observed movement difference um, two weeks after capture. So it was it was really cool to see that that air exposure resulted in fallback. And from my perspective, you know, uh, I I relate that to energy, right? The fish has spent some energy moving upstream to the point to where you caught it. If we stress them out to an extent where they fall back downstream, then it's going to require more energy to get back up to where they were caught. And energy is important if you're trying to get up to your spawning ground, you're trying to feed, you know, that has an energetic cost when you have that downstream effect after you're released. From a physiological standpoint, angled fish had a significantly greater blood lactate levels when compared to baseline fish, suggesting that uh, a general stress response to angling and handling. And that makes sense, right? That the, the more we angle a fish or, or fight them, we're going to see that increase in their the physiological response. Regardless of air exposure treatment, uh, water temperature was positively associated with blood lactate, negatively associated with pH, another indicator of physiological stress. Together with this idea that fish are falling back, the combination of the blood physiology and the radiotelemetry provided some really good clues about how air exposure and water temperature work in conjunction to stress fish out once they're released. Um, Other variables such as body size and fight time had little influence on the physiology and behavioral um, characteristics following release. And at the end of the day, the the three-day survival uh, of steelhead was around 95%, maybe a little bit more. With deep hooking, being the only source of mortality. Those fish that were deep hooked, I know caught in the esophagus or the gills were the fish that were had a greater likelihood of dying. And then overwinter mortality of caught and released fish was estimated around 10% with an estimated total pre-spawn mortality of around 15%. Now with anglers interacting with so many steelhead, even a small improvement in catch and release survival can have a big influence on a population's ability to sustain or even grow their numbers. One thing we as anglers can control is the unintentional mortality and impacts caused by catch and release practices. We cherish our recreational fisheries so much. Those target species, whether they're steelhead or tarpon or bass, these fish are being impacted by lots of other things. Water temperature, forestry, commercial fishing, all sorts of things. And if there's one thing that we can do with each fish that we encounter, pay better attention in terms of how we're 
are handling them. We, we need to give them a leg up so that it increases their survival and it increases their resiliency to all these other stresses. Um, and this comes in where we use the science that comes from the studies that we do to reinforce the best practices, um, much like what we did with steelhead in our hands. Um, so that campaign between Keep Fish Wet and the Wild Steelhead Coalition, you know, really helped to translate a lot of the science to make it very accessible, you know, including things like, you know, using single barbless hooks. Uh, when you use a single barbless hook, it reduces dehooking time. Uh, it reduces physical injury to the fish. If it's easier to take the hook out, you're less likely to potentially want to take the fish out of the water to dig the hook out. So it, even just using a single barbless hook is going to help to minimize that air exposure, which we know has an impact on fish once they're released. Thinking about using uh, rubberized knotless nets, you know, fish are covered with slime and that slime helps with hydrodynamics and it also helps preventing disease and infection. And so that, you know, if you're going to use a net, make sure it's a knotless rubberized net. There's been some science that shows that that minimizes uh, slime loss and fin fraying and all these other things. Um, if you want to grab a steelhead, if you're going to, if you're going to hold it, wet your hands first. Don't use big woolen gloves or gloves at all. As anglers, when we're going to handle fish to use clean, wet hands. When, when we think about the, the general biology of fish, for the majority of the fish that we target as recreational anglers, really isn't going to be a study that shows that air exposure is good for those fish, unless it's like arapaima or maybe tarpon in an oxygen poor pond that wants, that needs to gulp air. You know, keeping fish wet, minimizing air exposure, uh, makes a lot of sense. You know, the results from the study on the Bulkley River really reinforce that. Now, there are varying numbers used by agencies and steelhead anglers regarding the percentages of catch and release mortality percentage. The basic numbers are pretty clear. It's also going to take more than one study to really develop a good mortality estimate. You know, we think about the diversity of places where steelhead are caught at various points in their migration, at different water temperatures, different seasons, different latitudinal variation. And thankfully, there's a growing number of studies that are providing the foundation for the best practices, giving us a range in those mortality estimates based on the conditions that steelhead are exposed to. At the end of the day, given that steelhead populations are cherished and many are threatened, to me, it's a no-brainer that anglers spend a bit more time thinking about how they're handling and releasing fish to give each fish they release a better chance of survival. There really isn't going to be a study done on steelhead or any other species or many other species for that matter, that's going to show that air exposure is good for them. Fish don't breathe out of water. If we can control a small number of things, simple behavioral changes, don't take the fish out of the water, crimp your barbs, find cooler water, cooler conditions, using a knotless net, those small little behavioral changes can produce pretty significant results that can keep more wild steelhead in our rivers for future generations to enjoy. The science-based best practices for catch and release, we can take 10 or 15 or 20% down a couple of percentages. And that just simply means more steelhead in the water. It doesn't make sense 
to ignore the best practices for catch and release and those that are science-based. If we ignore them and we don't think that how we capture and handle fish is significant or important, we're throwing fish away. We're throwing valuable resource dollars away. It's something that is a simple solution. Each angler can put conservation into practice with each steelhead that they encounter. Why wouldn't we do that? If we're going to continue fishing, we must reduce our harm and go above and beyond regulations and use science-based best practices to create better outcomes for each wild steelhead that we catch and release. Following science-based best practices improves the chances of each steelhead being able to successfully reach their spawning grounds. You can read more about the Bulkley River Study and catch and release best practices on the Steelhead on Our Hands page on our website or at our partners at Keep Fish Wet. You also find links to all of that in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Adipose and heed the call to join the growing number of advocates who are fighting to create a better future for wild steelhead. We must fight for these fish with the same tenacity and dedication we have in the pursuit of them. Together, we have the power to chart a brighter future for wild steelhead. Please push the subscribe button, take a minute to rate, review, and share. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of The Adipose.